0: It's time for Type 40. We're a Doctor Who podcast on the Fandom Podcast Network. Still the show where we take an in depth and closer look at this beloved television series, the spin offs, the merchandise, even the fandom itself. Doctor Who's gone from homegrown family favourite to international entertainment legend and shaped the landscape of science fiction and fantasy for well over five decades. Now step into OutArdis and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. <laughs> back for a whole new season of type 40 a doctor who podcast on the fandom podcast network with me dan hadley birmingham's king of the geeks and your designated driver it's uh, it's been a few weeks but we're back with a new desktop theme and yes a new theme theme too how are things with you Oh, you can tell us all of that later on. Yes, it's the brand new Type 40, but rest assured, we're still the same wide ranging, anti gatekeeping show for everybody. Whatever decade or century you started watching, reading, or listening along to the ongoing adventures of the Time Lord, our hero, Doctor Who. Here in the console room, we talk about it all. All opinions are heard, thoroughly encouraged and we've even been known to have the odd laugh or two along the way. Yes, it's time to materialise our companions on this opening show. Firstly, he's the original Hunatic and never far from an open target book. Welcome back, Simon Horton. How are you?
1: Well, well, thank you very much, Dan. Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm, I, it's funny you say that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm constantly working through the target books. I kind of, work through them all yeah. gradually. I, I don't read every one a week or anything like that. I just dip in and out every so often. Then when I get to the end, I'll go back to the
0: beginning and start with the Daleks yet again. Yeah, I love them. In publication order or broadcast order? That's
1: the problem. Do you start with an unearthly child or do you start with the Daleks? And you obviously have to start with the Daleks because that's absolutely how the whole thing kicks off, isn't it? So, so yeah, it's, it's a problem, really, isn't it? It's, what can it's you do? It's a,
0: a can of worms from the get-go, isn't it, those books? I'm glad you still enjoy them. There's a hell of a story there to be told, and we talk about the Target <laughs> books at every opportunity, don't we? We doubtless will again in Season 3. In fact, our last Target books episode was so, so popular, you can pretty much count on it, and we've even got an interview or two coming up. I'm going to keep teasing people about all of that. But talking about teasing... <laughs> yes, it wouldn't be the start of a new run of Type 40 without having the, uh, the ribbon cut by sheffield's original and the best of all the time ladies of course it's a starry-eyed girl sarah graham welcome back sarah
2: hello Daniel simon it's wonderful to be back uh, and yeah, uh, you've redecorated that. yes so, so. <laughs> i so don't
0: like, like it. It. Hey! <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> had it had to be said it had to be said
0: and how are you what's going i'm on? doing
2: okay thank you uh, yes we've um at the time of Recording this, we have gone back into lockdown in the UK. Mm-hmm. But Best yes. place
0: for you, isn't it? <laughs> 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 yes, it the- yeah, keeps us off the street. I All the least legends, the <laughs> <a> true. <trip. laughs> so, Simon's been reading. What have you been reading? Anything, or have you been watching anything? What's new?
2: I have. I've been. I've been delving back into some of the RTD era. Um, I watched some of the scariest stories for Halloween. So I watched <laughs> Tooth and Claw from Series Two. The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, which I absolutely adore. And then, of course, Blink. uh, Yeah, it had to be done. I didn't see that There was another Twitter. Apparently. Tweet-along, I think, of Blink. I was very much still in the spirit of it. So, yeah, so me and the kids watched it.
0: You're there spiritually. Yes, it's lockdown version two that Emily Cook, she started the tweet-alongs again with Blink. I didn't know about the Blink one until after it happened either, but they are doing the Husbands of River Song and various other things are lined up. But there's no... There's no input now from the creatives. I think she's appealing to the fan base to get creative and to to paint and to draw and to make their own things and their own cosplay and whatever else. You know, so it's it's sort of a remixed version of the same thing. But yeah, obviously, best of luck to Emily Cook and everybody doing the the tweet alongs. It's still it's still a valuable thing. I'm sure that it will make a big difference to people out there in the coming weeks i'm delighted to have you both back for this new run and the same goes for you whether you've been with us a while or this is your first trip in the type 40 each and every edition of the show past present and future is a tap away if you know where to look listen out for details about all of that later on as well as a trip to the matrix of all knowledge to us that's the fandom podcast network itself and we'll be hearing about all the other fabulous shows there Let's start the show proper with something that uh, I've never said before, guys, and I probably never will again. allons Z, Woo! <laughs> was that right? <laughs> that was right.
2: You did good.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Earlier in the year, Big Finish Productions marked the 21st anniversary of their celebrated Doctor Who audio drama and audiobooks range with a positive deluge of uh, rub your eyes am i reading that right announcements a parade of friends and enemies classic and new making their way across the various ranges and even a doctor we've not heard or seen anything of for a decade and a half but it was all headed up by this release out of time is a done in one full cast audio adventure by the writer Matt Fitton and here's the blurb just in case you've forgotten or you've missed it or whatever the cathedral of contemplation is an enigma existing outside time it turns through history opening its doors across the universe to offer solace to those in need occasionally the doctor drops in when he's avoiding his destiny it's an ideal place to get some perspective Only this time he's already there from several lives earlier, so when dimension barriers break down, his past and present collide. And when the Daleks invade and commandeer the cathedral, two doctors must unite to stop them or face extermination twice over. (laughs)
2: Bum, bum, bum. Hey! <laughs>
0: I've got, pretty, got a bit of grit in my voice there when I did the last bit. I, that's new. I hadn't noticed that before. You're, t- you're turning into a voiceover, man, aren't you? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Watch out, Peter Dixon. Uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I probably should have known better. I've been following the big finish ranges for a long, long time. Over the last few years in particular, they've managed to sort of achieve practically everything that I always thought would be impossible, or looked impossible, God, five years ago, let alone ten or fifteen. Now, I'd, I never thought I'd hear this kind of projects, and this is definitely, definitely one. They've come to this story, pairing, this is the tenth Doctor, isn't it, with the fourth Doctor. So, to the outside world, not just the fandom, to everybody out there, really, with any idea of what Doctor Who is... These are the doctors, aren't they? The most popular, iconic, classic era doctor with the most popular, iconic new series doctor at last. A clash of the egos, a clash of the titans, a clash of the hair. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> they picked, they've picked their place in space and time, haven't they? Very, very carefully. It's just, when we meet the Tenth Doctor in this story, it's, um, it's just after the waters of Mars. And it's uh, irresistible of them to do that, really, isn't it? It's very convenient, a place to sort of nestle in extra stories with David Tennant's Doctor.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you think about it, it is, as soon as I read that in the blurb with the avoiding his destiny, I'm like, well, yeah, this is him avoiding... Uh, the prophecy that the old had come up with, Adria. Yeah. I just—you can always count on Big Finish to really think about where they can put these stories in, and uh, and obviously after the events of Waters in Mars, it is pretty low. So it, again, it's another another really good reason why he you, you would go to this place, this cathedral, and the whole concept of it, the story. When I read it, it it really screamed Stephen Moffat to me. Uh, that kind of because it made me think of, um, like Sherlock with his mental room.
0: Oh, his mind palace. There he
2: goes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, his mind palace. That was it. That sounds so much better than mental.
0: Yeah. Room. Mental room sounds like a coach with a straight jacket. Yeah, go carry on. I know, it. Yeah. I, mean. I know, what
2: I mean. <laughs> but also, um, the uh, with paper mainframe.
0: Oh, that's oh, yes, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: the, the sisterhood and everything, and like the Daleks taking over that, and so yeah, there were lots of um. Things that kind of jumped out at me, so I was really excited about it. But yeah, oh god, the the two most iconic doctors, yeah, oh god, I haven't been this excited in a long time, and yeah, and I think well, I was squealing in delight at reading that so goodness knows how you <laughs>
0: you two must
2: be feeling <laughs> well feel they, like you're ten years old again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they let it all out very slowly. I think they originally put out some the name of this release and then they put out some artwork but they'd they'd got the two figures in the middle sort of blacked out so you couldn't see who it was. Even mm-hmm. even with the hair, you know, you still couldn't really see who it was. And they revealed David Tennant's Doctor first and then Tom Baker. So either later that day or the following day. And, and the response was absolutely riotous. Simon, you're a sort of a casual Audio Who listener, aren't you? You cherry-pick. You don't, not like we were talking about the Target books earlier on, you go through those very methodically, but you cherry-pick with all audio, don't you? But but you are a child of the Tom Baker era. Had it been a while for you listening to this stuff, and, and how did it make you feel? Like it was 1978 all over again?
1: Yeah, I, I, I certainly, do. you're right, I do cherry pick. Um, I, I will sort of hold my hand on my heart and say I'm not an enormous fan of Big Finish um, for various reasons. Don't I just simply don't get as excited about them as, as some people do. Um, they just don't quite work for me. But obviously, yeah, of course, putting, as you say, the two heavyweights of both Classic and New Series, who together... Is a no-brainer and, and, and was a brilliant, a brilliant conceit and a brilliant idea. Um, I mean, interestingly, I thought that the Cathedral of Contemplation, if anything, sounded more like an RTD kind of concept than the Stephen Moffat one. It's the kind of thing I can just, I, 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 I can imagine a Russell T Davies story. And actually, that, if anything, that was one of my, my um, criticisms of Out of Time. Is actually they didn't, they didn't make the most of what is. A, a brilliant concept this cathedral mm-hmm. of contemplation that sort of opens its doors on history we never get any feeling of that if anything this should have been a four-part story maybe whereby mm-hmm. the first two episodes were what we explored more of this concept of of these doors opening on history because like that that was an enticing idea mm-hmm. to me I, I just wanted to hear more of that and get more of a feeling for what this cathedral was and thus what the scale of the threat was when it actually hits whereas as it is we literally land on the cathedral and within 10 minutes we're kind of solving the problem and i I just it's all all
0: kicking off i see what you mean maybe some some sort of establishing territory with other peripheral characters where you would see people coming across this cathedral how they'd make their way there I, i know what you mean
1: well I, well, I think what I would have done, if it had been me, I would have done the first episode with, for example, the fourth Doctor mm. only, the second episode with, with the tenth Doctor only, so then the, the story as it currently plays out now in a 50-minute, two, two sort of 25-minute episodes, that's when the two, two of them come together to defeat it, and I just think it would have been nice to have a Tom episode, a David episode, um, or vice versa, start with David, necessarily, and then they come together. Delay the gratification just that little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, as I say, that would just establish this whole cathedral concept of we see it opening its doors on time. It's just a, as I say, it's a delicious idea that we never actually get to explore, which just
0: seemed a missed opportunity to me. It seems like, the way they describe it, Sarah, I don't know if you picked this up, like it's constantly turning. And it reminded me, how I pictured it in my head was of a slightly more sort of avant-garde version or crumbling version of the space station in the trial of a time lord like it would be very very similar to that just be be turning and be a mixture of that and say notre notre dame or something like something like yeah
2: i i got real notre dame vibes to it but also made me think of a little bit you know with the doors made me think you know the girl in the fireplace
0: oh yeah
2: when they kept going into them uh, doors into into you know france and I, but obviously like on a grander scale but yeah i do see what simon means They could have just spent a little more time with the setup and it, it felt like matt was you know just in a rush to get these two together which i can't can't say i blame him because you know that is that was the main selling point of it but yeah thinking back the the beauty of these stories being in the four volumes is that yeah you could have had a slower build-up
1: There was no need to set the story on this Cathedral of Contemplation. They could have just set it on a space station or whatever and Mm. kept that Cathedral of Contemplation concept for a different story that they could have unpacked it more. I just didn't feel it needed to be on this cathedral
0: it's a big concept and a big visual sort of idea to i wouldn't say squander but to to spend so quickly i I do sort of get it having heard several big finnish audio dramas and multi-doctor things and having heard them do that where they do make you wait sirens of time is a prime example their very first release they they dedicated a, a an episode of that to three doctors, then brought them together at the end, and that was and that was great. So maybe maybe they felt like they'd been there, done that. I suppose with not just the not just the uh, the style of the story, but the fact that it's David Tennant's theme tune, we go straight crashing into. And as you said, Simon, it feels like this is the Russell T Davies era for me as well, in in every respect. And a Russell T Davies story absolutely would start like like that. They would bring you uh, bring things crashing together fairly quickly mm-hmm. uh, uh, and sort of like the blue touch paper and we're, we're sort of off because they were very fast paced stories most of the time weren't they so I think that could be obviously it was deliberate but I'm certainly not going to knock anybody for saying well I would have preferred it another way because I think that there was, there was so much in this in this story that it was very difficult to not want more I listened to this twice within three days <laughs> I enjoyed it so so much and when I say enjoy, I enjoyed it, I mean obviously it's a very very fast-paced story, and it's it's crackling with energy, and it's very tight as well. I think Matt Fitton's done a, done a tremendous job on this on this script, uh, but I was stimulated by those concepts, Simon, and I was delighted by the dialogue. How how can I put this? The things that you would like those two doctors to say to one another, they get to say them. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't dismiss this as this would have written itself. I don't think that for a moment, Matt, if you're listening. You know, I think this took, this took great, probably great restraint on Matt's part to keep it as tight as it is. But they do, they eat pushes all my buttons with this stuff. There's bits where the doctors talk over one another, talk at the same time. And even there's little things, that there's always nods to the past, like when they make contact, contact, and they do all that. So we get all those moments. But it was, um, I also found it quite uh, unexpectedly, emotionally resonant, both the doctors being at this point in their lives where we meet them. So as we said, the 10th Doctor, it's after the Waters of Mars. The fourth Doctor, it's, it's just after the invasion of time. That's the impression that I get. I think he says he's just left somebody behind on Gallifrey. Both times of contemplation for the Doctors, for, for these energetic, big characters. And I think they play that just right as well, without uh, without labouring it, Sarah.
2: Oh, no, no. It's oh, it was just a delight. I think I would have just been so tempted just to add reams and reams of d- a dialogue just... them to spark off each other Um, but yeah i like because it it got that commonality to them which drew them together like i would say a much better version of for example the first doctor and the 12th doctor in twice upon a time you know they would got that um common thing of you know regeneration and death and but this just that's how it should have been (laughs) this
0: does this does work yeah you're absolutely right i hadn't considered that but this does work a lot lot better and considering that Tom Baker, he's eighty-six years old, and I've heard audio dramas, Simon, where he does—he sounds every single day of that. He really does. But in this, I don't know whether they've done some work on the audio or if he was just that energised by the material. He sounds like he did in nineteen seventy-eight to me. You're, you're quite right.
1: Sometimes this is one of the problems I have with. Tom Baker, um, Big Finish Audio, is is nothing against Tom Baker at all. He just doesn't necessarily sound like he did back in the late 70s. Um, Whereas you're right, somehow, I I wonder whether it's, it's being energized by working with David Tennant. Well, you know, in effect, with a, in a multi-doctor story, you wonder whether he's kind of upped his game a little bit. Not upped his game. That, as I say, that makes it sound as though I'm critical of Tom Baker in the other stories. I'm not. I adore Tom. He's brilliant at everything he does. But somehow, in this one, he does feel uh, on another level somehow. But what's interesting is that he still makes it sound absolutely effortless. It doesn't yeah. sound like he's trying. He just is mm. effortlessly Tom Baker. He is effortlessly the Fourth Doctor. There's no. Pre- pressure on him. that I, I don't feel he's straining to, to, to re- relive that character. It, it, there's no effort. Now, interestingly, I felt, uh, as, as much as a joy as David Tennant was to listen to, I felt like he was trying harder, if anything. I wonder whether David felt, you know, this is the governor that I'm up against here. And it feels a little bit like he's <laughs> almost like he kind of feels he's got to reassert himself. And again, this is no criticism of David Tennant. I just wonder whether psychologically he was going through, he, he was trying to up himself. And if anything, it sounded a little bit less effortless. In David Tennant's stories on, the, on, 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 yep. the, on the screen, really he's really very really. effortlessly the Tenth Doctor. This felt a little bit like he was almost trying a little bit too hard to be the tenth Doctor again, and to assert himself against the fact that he was playing against an absolute heavyweight in you know in every respect against
0: the icon, absolutely the icon that he grew up watching. I think sometimes yes. we forget, as as loved as David Tennant is in this role, how you've just described Tom Baker's Doctor and how he and he, how he plays it, Simon is bang on. But David Tennant, although he he had proportionately the same level of success, his mm-hmm. approach to the character. Although it's still eccentric and it's still big and heroic and energetic it's much more of a performance for for a start he puts on another accent. Which mm. must be like yes. must be a bit like putting on putting on an extra costume, Sarah. If I had to do mm-hmm. an, an accent to do to do a job or whatever else, I think it would need just that little bit more time. How did you feel? Because obviously, I know David Tennant wasn't your first Doctor, but this was the heady time for you, wasn't it? When the fandom yes, was exploding was. for you. So, how did you feel that David Tennant reached the part again?
2: Oh, yeah, I think I would agree with Simon, and I think he did need to put that extra work in. and... Maybe did of maybe not the maybe not nerves, but you know when you've got somebody that big that you absolutely revere, yeah. and we know David Tennant is was is still a huge Doctor Who fan, and you know that there must have been that part of him, that little boy, that little fanboy going yep. Tom Baker. Ah, <laughs> oh my God. But It was delightful to hear them both. It was I've been delighted hearing you know the recent David Tennant stories anyway, and to hear his theme again. It just, it just takes you back to my happy place. It
0: sets you. Up. It does. <laughs> so, Sarah, as we're talking now, you I can see this, but you can't. I can see she. Your heart, your heart does skip a beat yeah, when you. Hit, it your does. heart starts to race, and it builds up. The excitement builds mm. up, like you are being taken somewhere on a Saturday evening at seven o'clock, whenever it was in two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and yeah, Doctor Who is a is the most exciting show on TV. But this time in your ears apparently this was all recorded earlier on this year between march and may the two doctors didn't record together and yet they have this remarkable chemistry between them which even though they are playing the same part and even though they they may get on famously that isn't always a given with actors is it simon
1: Oh my goodness, no, absolutely not. And as I say, any actor, um, oh, any <laughs> actor, a lot two people play the same part, yeah. And, and and to you know, to follow on to what we've just been saying, for the, the thing is, Tom Baker has nothing to prove, neither does David Tennant, because as we've said quite clearly, they are the, the heavyweights of the two separate eras. But Tom Baker has nothing to prove, really, from the point of view of he doesn't care, if you know what I mean, from the point of view of. He's, he's done shown, it all. He's, yeah. He said it all. He, he's proven himself. The, the age that he is now, he has nothing to prove and he doesn't feel any weight on his shoulders. David Tennant, I think, probably does, as, as we've just spoken about here, all yeah. of us, I think feels more of a weight on his shoulders because he's still very much uh, in, in the moment and, he, and, he, and he, he does care about what people think in the way that Tom Baker probably is just like, do you know what? If you don't like it, go and do the other thing. Um, and, he, and I don't mean that in an unpleasant way. He doesn't mean it unpleasant. He no, just no. really, there could have been a, a degree of tension there. And maybe there was. But you're right, Dan, it certainly doesn't come across. It comes across beautifully. They sound as though they're just both of them having an absolute ball. It sounds as like though they're having the best mm-hmm. time. And one of the things that I really liked was the fact that they started off with the fourth doctor not recognizing. Uh, the Tenth Doctor, not knowing who he is. Um, Because the character
0: generally is so formidable, isn't he? I wouldn't say he knows everything, but he's usually got the measure of things like that. Absolutely.
1: And and it's unusual for a multi-doctor story to take that approach because generally they come together and they just know who they (laughs) are. But the fact that they've done this in Out of Time does rather sort of throw into doubt the whole canon of, well, do uh, Time Lords are supposed to be able to recognise themselves and so on and so forth. But who cares? It doesn't matter. OK, we're going to let it ride that one because I, I thought it was interesting avenue to explore that for a moment, the fourth Doctor was on the back foot, which we rarely see. The tenth Doctor was in the, very much in the driving seat. And it's just this really nice, lovable relationship between the two of them that, that the fourth Doctor didn't know what was going on. But then, of course, as it's revealed later on, he did know what was going, and he'd worked it that out. That was my <laughs> favourite scene. There was a scene between the Doctor,
0: between David Tennant's Doctor, and one of the supporting characters, and he just yeah. he just turns to her and says, "He knows, and he knows yes. that I know he knows." Correct. And so it
1: was just <laughs> and so it's just so beautiful it's, it's, dialogue. Yeah, it's this just this lovely conceit that we get to play with this idea that the Fourth Doctor doesn't know who the Tenth Doctor is, and so we get all that nice dialogue and then actually he did know it all along and it's just, it just and comes it's, per-
2: it's perfect for tom's doctor yes. as well
1: yes not in, not in an arrogant way no. of the fourth doctor but just in the way that it's that knowing wink it, 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 mm. and, and you're right uh, dan I, I i imagine it being set um, sort of after um uh, the invasion of time kind of period well let's not forget this was the time when he was looking at camera and doing those still knowing winks and that would have been the moment on Good television voice. where he would have broken the fourth wall and just you know almost winked at the viewer at home of course of course he knew uh, i'm
2: pretty sure that matt had that in his head while he was writing that he must have had that mental picture brought yes.
1: another dimension to it that did <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Cathedral of Contemplation. A spinning cathedral outside history itself. Layers of space-time, pockets of reality, all perfectly balanced and interconnected.
3: From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, out of time.
2: It looks like a dimension barrier failure. Normally imperceptible, but with visitors crisscrossing space and time. Uh, Oh,
1: oh, sorry, Uh, wrong chapel. I was looking for the little shop.
2: Last temporal energy discharge outside the door what do they think is coming
1: what have you got there sonic's scientific uh
2: instrument i really should find a way back
1: they don't give up they're relentless
2: unstoppable
3: in my experience no one's unstoppable only ever unreasonable the doorway's connecting to a corridor <laughs> time corridor i i'd advise you to stay back. <laughs> You're oh, very well informed what did you say you were a doctor a travelling doctor much like yourself if the daleks
2: get in and take over the cathedral they would have the means to appear anywhere and anywhere
0: uh, instant dalek invasions just add slaughter scan destinations with this device the daleks will win this war and oh more, more. get out of there!
3: Get back, Doctor! It's breaking through! Big, Big finish. We love stories. Nicely done, Doctor. Why thank you, Doctor? Allons-y!
0: It does feel like they're shoulder to shoulder, and it's I think it's good, solid, fun in that respect, completely believable you can invest in it right away and I don't want to use the expression fan wank I don't even like saying that it's some um, fan service even but you know th- this was sold absolutely brazenly as this is exactly what you've been waiting for nothing wrong in that at all in any year let alone let alone 2020 I was a little uh, how can I put this nonplussed about the Daleks being the opponents originally. I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I thought, oh, you know, we've heard and seen so many of the Daleks over the years. And, of course, they're a big part of this Time Lord Victorious event that's running at the moment across audio and print and everywhere else. Next year, they're the villains of this dedicated entire season's worth of David Tennant called Dalek Universe. So I was thinking, oh, more, more Daleks. But when I heard it, <laughs> it's a, they managed to completely sort of turn me around within a few minutes. And it, I just felt it so exciting, so irresistible. Nicholas Briggs, who I've no doubt could do and probably does do, Nick. The Dalek voice is in his sleep. I bet he hears it running through his head the entire time. And he's great in this as the Dalek Supreme. He, he gives them a slightly different sort of twang. But they're definitely the Daleks of the again of the Russell T Davies era. They they they're very uh, zealous, aren't they? Even by Dalek standards, and they feel as uh, just ruthless, nasty. But they do lean into a lot of the classic series sort of ideas. I, I completely fell for the. Dalek duplicate thing. I didn't see that coming at all, Simon. <laughs> they substituted Captain Zenner wasn't it, for a, a Dalek halfway. Didn't expect that at all. Uh, yeah, so th- there were classic sensibilities in there, just enough. And I suppose with us all knowing the Daleks so well, it's really easy to picture them in these action scenes whereas if it had been a new creation or one of the ones which has which is less of a monoculture <laughs> and, and where maybe the div- lord is more divided between them that it's not it wouldn't have been so much of a given this way they get to focus on the doctors the small cast around them too what's your notion on the daleks in in this simon do we need we don't really need to see no. them as well as hear them do we on the one hand, I feel that yeah, okay, the, the pairing of the
1: fourth and tenth doctor needed a real heavyweight villain to go with them, and yet the Daleks obviously is the, is the logical conclusion. If anything for me, that did overshadow it a little bit, I would have. Okay. To be perfectly honest, I could have sat and listened to 50 minutes of just a, 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 a sort of the doctor the two doctors just backing and forwardsing and puzzling out some some more cerebral, plot here than just something that's very blunt and, oh, the Daleks are here and they're going to blow everything up. I I would have liked to have heard them a little bit more mental work going on on the parts of the Doctor rather than the battling against the very, very, very noisy Daleks. So for me, I would strip the Daleks out and I would put a far more cerebral, that's going to be my word of the day, (laughs) more cerebral plot in there for them to, to solve. I, I or, I just, or human villain, Simon, say a Count Scalioni or somebody like absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's what I would have maybe put them up against, something more like that than the Daleks. So the Daleks, it's a very blunt tool, the Daleks, and it's very easy. And it's very lazy. The, the the other problem I have, and you, I know you're all going to hate me for this and <laughs> I can live with it. It's OK. I'm not a big fan of Nick Briggs' voices. I'm sorry. Oh. It's not that I'm not a fan of the voice. I'm just bored of hearing Nick Briggs doing the Daleks now. He does them very well, don't get me wrong, but I'm bored now. I I think back to the classic days and you you would have so many different voice voice artists doing the Daleks, but they had some variation, not only across stories, but within stories. And now every single Dalek sounds like Nick Briggs because it is Nick Briggs. And, And I'm even thinking, okay then, his Dalek Supreme voice was basically his Emperor Dalek voice. I did wonder Uh, about that. Has he literally run out of voices? Well, probably, because there's only so many ways the Daleks can speak. And to me, for me, as a classic fan, Daleks speak on in a monotone on one level. They don't constantly go up and down like this. They don't do it for me. And so whilst I don't necessarily have a problem with that in principle, I, I'm sorry, I'm just bored of Nick Briggs' voices. You're a lovely bloke, Nick, and, and you do them brilliantly. But, but which I just feel it needs a breath of fresh air and, and some slightly different Dalek voices.
0: I understand that there is now a second, or maybe even third person who does step in there, do Dalek additional Dalek voices too. I'm I'm not sure whether I've heard them or not. (laughs) I hear what I can of Big Finish, but there's plenty of Dalek stuff that I haven't heard. What what are your thoughts on the Daleks, Sarah? I'm the opposite way. I can't get enough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, I'm more used to Nick Briggs. He's the, you know, he's the familiarity um did he need to do the supreme dalek as well couldn't somebody else have done that i do i do see what you mean um yeah i think that was the biggest difference for me when i went when i discovered classic who was the fact that the modern series you did have this where the daleks would go up and down whereas the classic era it was more monitored I, I, it just it just struck me then as you were talking simon uh, I, I can take it or leave it but i can i can understand the niggle when you've been used, you know, for that for so long. I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I think I just kind of expected it because you're bringing these two iconic doctors together. You need who's the most iconic villain. You know, it's the Daleks. Yeah, I'd say it was just more safe. didn't really distract for, it, for me. But again, I'm used to the fast pace and everything going off in the background and the explosions. So to me, it just felt like a continuation of the RTD and Moffat era.
0: Listening to you both speak there, Particularly what you've just said, Sarah. What I've realised and what is probably the case. I, I don't know how far and how reaching these these things are now. I've kind of lost track a little bit. But maybe they were hoping, and and what has actually happened is that this release, the that central conceit of bringing the two doc these two doctors together specifically against the Daleks. Perhaps they were hoping that this story will push through. Perhaps not to the mainstream, because I don't think any licensed merchandise ever 100% will. But obviously some of them make broader, more widespread news than others. You know, the mainstream media. And this release absolutely did do that, didn't it? It got multiple articles on Digital Spy and all those other places. So whilst the man in the street, and probably even the average viewer of Doctor Who, Probably isn't aware of this, there's a chance that a greater percentage of the casual audience will have picked up on it, even if they just subscribed to, for example, the official Doctor Who Facebook page. They would have noticed that artwork. It would have got them to scroll back and go, oh, and okay, even if they haven't pre ordered it, either for themselves or as a gift for somebody else there's also that secondary thing where eventually it could turn up on BBC Radio 4 Extra and it will be a big thing then and it will it will give the casual audience what they associate with the the sound and the uh, the verve of the 10th doctor's era.
1: Well is it well I think it goes even further than that for me Dan because uh, and and I sort of say this tentatively this is not a rabbit hole we want to go down today but the truth is I would have been far more excited to see Out of Time visually as the climax for Series 12 than The Timeless Children. I think, to be honest, we could probably say that the vast majority of the public, the viewing public, not the fans, just the standard viewing public, would have far more liked To have seen that story, you know, forget the fact that it's got two doctors in it. Let's ignore that just for a minute and just talk about the sort of the basic plot, the basic idea and concept. And to me, that would have been far more energising and the kind of thing that the public want to see rather than some impenetrable um, fan stuff about... Time Lords and where they came from so as I say we don't want to go down that route but, that, but that's my feeling that I would have rather had that as the climax to series 12
0: what, what you're noting is that it's crowd pleasing, it's the kind yes. of entertainment the kind of storytelling the kind of gratification that gets a grown man or woman thumping it's, their arm down on the sofa or the, the yeah. arm of the armchair or the sofa next to them with excitement it's, or even on the edge of their seat and would get kids talking about it at school for days maybe Correct. weeks ahead yeah. it's, it, it's kind of it's kind of
1: doctor who comfort food really isn't it whereas, <laughs> yeah. whereas something like the timeless, yeah. child, timeless child is more your, your nouvelle cuisine if you know what i that's mean that's not comforting
0: anybody not at comf- all <laughs> I, also liked, I also liked i also like the uh the abyss at the at this uh, Cathedral of Contemplation. Now, again, you could say that this is a, a riff on the Sisterhood of Cancer and various other things mm. that we've seen over and over again. Any monks or nuns, any of that kind of stuff, it's all dramatic shorthand, isn't it? But, again, it's good stuff. If it ain't broke, why fix it?
2: Exactly, and, it, and it's a nice little touch because the Abyss is played by Claire Rushbook, which was ida scott in the impossible impossible
0: (laughs) impossible
2: planet that's the
1: one (laughs) invisible planet you've written a whole new story there so
2: So that because that's one of the stories i've just recently watched it 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 was nice to hear her again in the doctoral universe and yeah and, and she's good at that authoritative them figures but sounding not sounding
0: slightly sort of clipped and frustrated but warm at the same time i think claire yeah. rushbrook's brilliant in this she plays the abbess and she plays marna later on mm. two similar characters but she pitches she pitches the latter differently in a very key way very good, very clever so clever in fact because i didn't read the cast list before i didn't realize that two that the same actress was playing both of those parts
1: no, I, I must be honest, no. I, 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 hadn't, I I didn't know now until you've just told me, I had no idea. Um, I mean, if anything, one of the problems that I have with Big Finish yes. audios tends to be that a lot of the voices do sound very, very, very similar. Um, that A lot of the actors and actresses that they get in, apart from the fact that maybe they're, they're clear, one of them is clearly putting on trying, a, a regional accent, normally Cockney or something. <laughs> They tend to sound very, very, very similar. Whereas, if I think for a second back to what back in our day, Dan, the only audio that existed, the only audio story <laughs> that existed, would have been Genesis of the Daleks. I'm going to ignore the pescatons oh, so just for say,
0: pescatons, yes, go on,
1: because, then. yeah, but it's not a full, it's not really a full cast audio uh, audio true. drama. It's more true. of a narrated. So, really, all we all we would have had was that was Genesis of the Daleks. Now. If you were to go and listen to Genesis of the Daleks now, you would realize that pretty much every voice within Genesis of the Daleks sounds different. So if you're listening to it and and you're not seeing it visually, you can still identify who is talking. They have very, very clear, distinct, different, different ways of, of uh, well, different voices. Simple as that. And as I say, this is one of the key problems that I have with, Gen- with with Big Finish. That I keep thinking, come on, guys, cast some different sounding people. They all sound between uh, around about 30, 25 to thirty years of age. Um, they always do. Um, apart from when they when they occasionally do deliberately cast an older actor, they always sound around about that age. They sound as though they're about sort of five years out of stage school kind of thing. They've done a little bit on telly, probably a bit of doctors. They all sound exactly the same. And I, and, and, and I find that frustrating. I need to hear some dip, very, very different voices, um, just purely A, for interest, to make it sound more in, enjoy, uh, interesting to listen to, and B... So that it does delineate those voices out a little bit more, so that I, who always listen to Big Finish while I'm cooking or washing up, because that's when I listen to yeah. them, that I can I can I can catch immediately. Okay, I know who's talking now.
0: Sounds quite harsh, and yet I'm smiling at the Sorry. same time because I can't. I do know what you mean as well. Yes, at the same I'm time. thinking
2: when you are doing something at the same time, it can be sometimes difficult. To deserve you know, who he's talking. So yeah, it's that is a very valid point, Simon. Yeah.
0: But maybe it's my fault for, for, for my fault for washing up while I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy in this who played Captain Zena and Kaval. He played played two characters in this. Nicholas Asprey is the actor's name. He's a little bit older. He's and uh, 50 years old. He played well, that shot the... me down in flames then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth mentioning, yeah, he played Etoin in 2015's the Saigon inversion he was the uh zygon who was hiding in 21st century oh Britain. Yeah, yeah so yes he was um a, a character part and he's played several big finish audios lots and lots of little character parts here and there and a couple of you know a really big role really with captain zen i thought he was great in that very throaty very brian blessed-esque i thought he was really really good and the i mean the entire company really not as many of them i say it's very small cast, even, even if you include the, the two doctors. It's a strength of it. I think if there was hordes of people, it would have lessened it somehow. It would have made it feel less desperate. And when you've only got 50 minutes, I think when, you, when you're going to tell the story in, in 50 minutes, in that one part, you've got to be economical with absolutely everything. And it's better to create two or three characters well and in a rounded way than to say, okay, we're going blockbuster. It's got to have a cast of thousands. It's got because you know, it, I, to be honest, a lot of the time on telly, it ends up people just a cannon fodder, and it ends up looking quite superficial. But on audio, it is literally pointless. You can say, oh, there's, you can just sound effects and hundreds of people are, are running down a corridor, filling the uh, the central part of the cathedral or whatever else, and it communicated a lot of that beautifully. Another thing I liked about this, which sort of harkens back to the stuff of the Daleks, really, was how it had a blockbuster. I was going to say, yeah, blockbuster, but I'd say more specifically, like the Russell T. Davis stuff, it had a comic book sensibility. There were elements to this story and what would have been set pieces. For example, there's a scene where Tom Baker's Doctor, the fourth Doctor, sets up a trap he rigs a trap doesn't he for the daleks where he ties one end of his scarf to this scaffolding that he's been working on as he's been painting the ceiling hasn't he and he ties the other end to something else and it's it's a trap for these daleks and they all they career into this massive room and they they go over they get covered in paint or whatever and it felt like it would make a really great what they call a splash page in comics it'd be across two pages drawn by Dave Gibbons or something like that and there'd be lots of sound effects and pepper pots flying around all over the place and the Tenth Doctor st- stood there at the side sort of chortling a, a big sort of teethy grin. It's moments like that that I, I really, really love. And there was all those scenes with Tom Baker where he's painting the frescoes and things like that. It sounded just like something out of City of Death. And uh, yeah, I, I just loved every, every single bit of that. I really enjoyed this one, guys. You'll probably gather, but I particularly enjoyed. I want to mention Catherine Drysdale as well as Jorah. I thought that part was really nicely done, and because a lot of these stories, Sarah, I don't know if you find this, when they haven't got one of the companions that we know, they offer us, don't they, a quasi companion, a substitute companion. Yes. And they did this on the TV show, didn't they? Where you think, oh, I hope so-and-so goes with the Doctor at the end of this story. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And this was absolutely one of those moments that Russell T Davies and Stephen Moffat used to give us on TV. Matt Fitton gives us this with Jora. do you think?
2: I think so, yeah, I really liked her. Uh... Well, it's not just me. Yeah, it was a nice little tease. But yeah, I did like how she worked. Uh, and that's nice, I like that, because it, you can get really caught up, you know, with certain Doctors and their companions. So it is nice when they haven't got that. And you have got some you know, somebody else who gets their moment to shine. But yeah, I think she's a fabulous actress.
0: She was an emotional character and she'd got this she was clearly at this moment in her life where she couldn't trust her own family for a start. She's mm. questioning her own choices in life. So they've got all that going on too. But she's also a very capable character. She's from the military. And yet, Simon, they didn't do what some people on television do, naming their names, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> in that they didn't overwrite it. And they didn't write no. her as a masculine character. It didn't overcompensate. She was still a woman. She was still a young woman. They played the vulnerability with the strength pitch Perfect, and, and Catherine Drysdale, I, I thought she responded to the material brilliantly. She was in Love of Monsters as well. She's been in Doctor Who, great actress, some great comedy roles in particular. I would never have imagined that this was her. I think it's, it's a really delightful performance. Do you know what I mean, Simon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting because you're right. Had, had this been within um, modern Doctor Who, undoubtedly she probably would have been a lesbian. She probably she might even have been transgender. Um, they would have made a big thing over the fact that she was a female soldier. She probably I would have think- ha- ended up having a relationship
0: with the other um, person that comes in. There's another probably female right. name I've right. But I think she would have definitely ended up punching one of the men. Just to show. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, yeah. We, we
1: would have had, basically the truth of it is, we, we would have cynical. had some gender politics within there somewhere, which I'm, I'm very pleased that we didn't. She's just there uh, and she does her part and she's got a really interesting backstory with her father, etc. etc. It stands on its own. It doesn't need to be, we don't need to be hit over the head with the gender politics of it. We get it in a very subtle way, in the way that you wouldn't in the TV show today. The only thing that I've found a little bit disorientating about Jura's character was the fact that we hit the ground running with her already with the fourth Doctor. Now, I don't have a problem with that in mm. itself. I, I spent the first five minutes thinking, I, have I missed something here? Did I miss a previous story? Did it's I have a couple episode late?" Does And I actually don't know the, the answer to this question. Does this fit in with part of Time Lord Victoria's? No. Is that why? No, OK, it doesn't. Completely so so is there... So, so are we saying then there is absolutely no reason at all why Dura is just sort of dropped in? It's not that we... I, I have I not missed a story You've before? You've not missed anything.
0: a single thing. I, I get the impression. I mean, they, they say in the story, don't they, that she she was just there. She got there. She got there earlier. And she was at, at a moment of crisis in her life. She'd obviously got talking to the Doctor. I think the abbess mentions it at some point in the story. Like, I can't so I don't, want
1: say, it's not really that I've got a problem with it so much as I spent the first five or ten minutes
0: almost no, I did too. missing
1: some of the story because I was thinking, have I, have I missed something here? Sorry. What,
0: I think sitting. you could be forgiven for thinking that because mm-hmm. a lot of the companies that are licensed, I don't know if you find this, Sarah, when you're reading mm-hmm. them, a lot of these companies that are licensed to produce Doctor Who works now in comic books, books and audio, they say that something can be enjoyed in total isolation. But in reality, you often find that there's something about them, that there's some connective tissue somewhere that does, as a listener, that does actually stand out and that you probably could do with hearing more. But in this instance, no, it really was a case of this is, this is absolutely yeah. everything presented as is. There was a scene in this that I really liked, some fabulous writing from Matt Fitton, where the Tenth Doctor starts talking to Jora. i think they're the tenth doctor and the fourth doctor are both in the same room with that and the tenth doctor says something like you know oh has the has the doctor asked you why you're hiding out here maybe you he should and think highlighted how the fourth doctor and the tenth doctor the total different attitudes the different way that they communicate with the people around them, how they go about bonding with the average human that may cross their path. Because, you know, David Tennant's Doctor, we've said before how he's one of the most human out of all of them, mm-hmm. and the fourth Doctor could be seen as the most alien of all of them. And yet it's the fourth Doctor that chooses to sort of more keep his counsel and wait, maybe wait for her to trust and to tell him, whereas the tenth Doctor's attitude is just, just, just ask her. Yeah. I yeah, I, I
2: I was like, I was just about to say that. Yeah, that's exactly right. The the fourth Doctor's more. She'll tell me when she's ready. Whereas, yeah, the tenth Doctor would be straight in there. But you obviously you find that is part of his personality and his character trait. I mean, he and he and he is more involved with like the the more domestic aspects. You know, of the people he meets. So I remember, I think it was Planet of the Dead where he sat on the bus. Yeah, chatting to people, yeah, finding out and talking that. about, you know, what who's waiting at home, what they're gonna have for the tea that night. So to me, yeah, <laughs> that just that just beautifully just showcases that there are different approaches and, and yeah, and just to get all of that essence of the characters in just fifty minutes, you know, it is a real a real strength of Matt that he, you know he managed to do that. That that is a really talented writer.
0: And particularly when you think that it was recorded over just like four or five weeks, yeah. early, early this year, during the original lockdown. And I, mean, I don't know, maybe it had been written... A year or two in advance, Simon. We never know with these things.
1: Yeah, I think I didn't. I hear one of the one of the little pieces on the one of the interviews or whatever. I think it was written a while in advance. I okay. could be wrong. I, I think it was. Yeah, I was very impressed to find that it had been recorded entirely in lockdown. You wouldn't know. Yeah, all credit to them. The sound quality on the voices sounds identical. Big Finish have clearly done a good job in ensuring that all of their um, voice artists are, 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 using kind of the same equipment in the same kind of setup. whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds good. You wouldn't know. I mean, again, if anything, that can be one of my faults with big finish recordings in that, again, they all sound as though they're recorded in a studio. It sounds as though they're all standing there in a studio recording it. Um, and again, going back to, to, to sort of my, my Genesis of the Daleks analogy, that very much has as you listen to that without looking at the visuals again it sounds as though they're in different locations they sometimes they're outside sometimes they're inside so on and so forth you get that that feel of different locations yeah. and again i just find with big finish they're very very and this isn't really a criticism because obviously that's how they're going to record them but in many ways i'd love i'd love to hear a big finish where they actually go on location and record it outside on, in a proper location, rather than just using it, standing in a studio. I'd love to hear that. I've never Sound thought about
0: be. it before, but there's, there's probably practical reasons why, it's just simply being cost oh. effective. We have to of ask Kenny Smith that one of the times it we get Kenny back on at some point or anybody else at Big Finish but yeah because it's an interesting question
1: I'm sure you're absolutely right of course there are logistical reasons and budgetary reasons I totally get that but it but it would be really tempting to think you know just go and record one out in the car park <laughs>
2: the, the famous go. Big Finish car park yeah <laughs> why
1: not go do
0: one there we've seen enough photos yeah. of it. go and record one in the car <laughs> park set <Settin'> a <laughs> challenge yeah we hear all the time about how they record these things two or three years in advance then go into post production, and, and they get scheduled for release and all the rest of it, you always think that's for a really, really good reason. So to find out this was recorded in March, it's on your shelf, <laughs> like August, September time. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's also uh, beautifully sort of brought together, and there's all the emotional resonance and the action that I wanted from a story like this. I, I was thrilled by the entire thing. It's time for a quick break now, everybody. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, is a space book production for the fabulous fandom podcast network. And we'd be letting you down if we didn't fill your ears with talk of all those other wonderful shows on that network. Here's a word about all of that. We'll be back in a tick and a talk.
3: Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. we like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to the Fandom Podcast Network and all of the other awesome shows we have to offer it starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, our weekly pop culture news podcast. Bloody Kings, our Highlander podcast. Couch Potato Theater, our podcast celebrating our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite pop culture topics. Enzo, the NFL podcast. Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville podcast. Hair Metal, the '80s and early '90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our Doctor Who podcast. Lethal Mullet, a '1980s and '90s action film podcast. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast, and our newest show, Making Treks, a new Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the Final Frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. You can enjoy all of these great Fandom Podcast Network shows on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook under Fandom Podcast Network. You can also email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
0: Yes, we've teased and tantalised you there. Now let us clothe you too. Head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll find a store full of the team colours for all those shows on T-shirts, hats, mugs, and a TARDIS full of other items. Treat yourself, treat your other selves, and it all goes to support the network continuing to fill your ears with 100% fabulous fandom goodness. Out of Time is the first of three releases scheduled for the next couple of summers, over at Big Finish. They'll be matching David Tennant's Doctor again with further classic series incarnations. Peter Davison and Colin Baker facing the Cybermen and the Weeping Angels together respectively across those stories. Tales like this, whether they bring together two incarnations or three or four or more. We call them the multi-Doctor stories, don't we, as a fandom. My view had been lately that Big Finish in particular, had been to this particular well, perhaps a couple of times too many, over the last few years. But then again, as this is audio drama and it's licensed merchandise, it's up to us whether we purchase them or not, isn't it? That's the sort of the place that I have got to. I don't have to listen to them all. But Simon, listening to Out of Time there, and those two Doctors together, who would be your dream combination of Doctors in a release like that? Oh gosh, that's classic on you. Gosh, that's really, really
1: tough question. I would really like to hear. Peter Davison and David Tennant would work fabulously well because I think they work so well in Time Clash. They did. did. um, That little children in need And of course, they're very, as we've spoken about before, uh, David Tennant is very much sort of the human doctor of the new series. But then likewise, again, Peter Davison is very much the human doctor of the classic series. So I just think sensibilities-wise, they just seem to gel. Beyond that, I'd love to hear Peter Capaldi with Tom. Because those are two acting heavyweights. Because I, I, I can hear now the sort of, you know, whereas Out of Time has very much got the fourth doctor and the tenth doctor being very playful against each other, I can really hear that sort of acerbicness that between the, the, yeah. the, the Capaldi doctor and the Tom Baker doctor. that I just think they'd, in a really, in a sort of um, a Patrick Troughton versus John Pertwee kind of way, they'd spark up each other and they'd bounce.
0: Totally get it because Capaldi's Doctor, depending on which version of him you get, he can be quite barbed. And obviously he's older than Tom Baker's Doctor, whichever point in his era on TV that you place him. And so he's likely to look on some of the fourth Doctor's antics as maybe a little distracting. I don't know. It's that's really potent isn't it sarah and, and 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 of course the thing is with tom tom does not take fools gladly and so and so it would be it would be fire from both sides in some way yeah. that would be a big it'd be a big challenge for a writer to do justice to that but it would i think it would also be a challenge to a writer to make two similar doctors like Davison's and tenants to make that, them bounce off one another too. you think you'd have to work to find the ground to show the difference sarah have you got any Doctor combinations that you'd like to hear us Well,
2: Simon kind of nicked mine with the <laughs> to that. with that's the right. Peter Capaldi that's and Tom right. because yeah, that would just work. I'd get I'd like to see maybe Tom with Matt Smith because again, you've got this kind of acerbic doctrine doctor and then this absolute prat. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> <laughs> it'd be like Patrick Troughton with John Pertwee, you know. You're oh, right, you know,
1: actually,
2: like, you, Sarah. Yeah, oh, oh mate, you know Christopher Eccleston, you know, with that kind of like grittier serious and then you've got Matt Smith you know flapping about and you know kind of how it was with, like the war doctor and Matt Smith and David Tennant I, I just think that kind of that dialogue would just work uh, would just I, work so I, I, well.
1: I think you're right I like that idea because Tom would yeah. be so so irritated and intolerant yeah. to Matt Smith's doctor and Matt Smith's doctor wouldn't care and it'd be, and it'd be yeah. For, uh, I, yeah you're right actually that'd be a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> I'd see of, the fourth doctor with the 11th Doctor, Tom Baker, with Matt Smith, I'd yeah. see them almost like Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo together. I think yeah. that, they would <laughs> that they would encourage well, also, one another.
1: Also, also as well, they're almost like, uh, and, and I know this does come down to an extent to age, but it would be like the grandfather with the pesky little child, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. It would be a lot of fun, that word. Good point. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Who would you like to see together?
0: I am hoping that they're going to stick with these out of times because I would really like to hear David Tennant with Sylvester McCoy oh yeah, yeah. I, I really would I don't know why I just find McCoy's Doctor so much of an oddity and you never know which version of that character you're going to get with McCoy I think he plays him now better than he ever has he uh, say, I'm not a massive Sylvester McCoy fan, but I have a huge amount of affection for him. He's the Doctor. Of course I do. <laughs> and so, yeah, putting those two together, I just think it's something that hasn't really been exploited yet. They're so different. And mm. the mercurial quality that, that the Seventh Doctor has, I suppose you could say that the Tenth Doctor is a, uh, a more heroic version of that. So, but apart from that, mm. they're very, very different. The Seventh Doctor keeps so much bottled up more so than than probably any other Doctor, but the first. So, yeah, I I really like that idea, and and the more I think about it, the more I like it. I'd kind of like to hear McGann with the third Doctor, with Tim Treloar's take on the third Doctor, two dandies together, so I think that could be quite fun. But I think it's hard not to want to hear Chris Eccleston with absolutely anybody. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was just going to say to you, though.
1: who I mean, I agree, but who, who actually would you put with Eccleston's Doctor. He's, if anything, I think he's the hardest Doctor to put anybody else with because he was such a singular Doctor and it was such a singular performance. It almost doesn't fit, for want of a better word, with any other Doctor. And that's not to say it wouldn't work brilliantly with other Doctors, but I'm struggling to see who would he
0: work well against? Colin Baker? I don't know. that, that, That would be quite interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But I think that it's hard and I would imagine that you feel like this quite strongly, Sarah, it's hard yes. not to want a scene with David Tennant's Doctor, the two Russell T Davies era Doctors, because that was such a heady time, and they defined that period in popular culture, the, the two of them. It's hard to not want that. But I think, in actuality, I think that the most interesting combination would be Chris Eccleston with Matt Smith again.
2: I think, I, you know, I was literally about to say that, then because I, I think, where, think where Matt is... He's so far gone from all the time war angst. Exactly. And he is such, you know, a much more lighter yeah. character. But I think it, it's just been implanted in our brains ever since we've seen that lovely image of him together at that airport.
0: That could be. You know,
2: when they, when they met each other, I'm just like, oh, actually, that would work. And again, it, and it's really interesting where they both kind of end up accepting the fate. The other two, apart from the fourth Doctor, I would say they're the two most doctors that kind of welcomed the end, they welcomed the regenerations yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they weren't fighting against it. So I think yeah, there's a commonality there. But yeah, I do think you're right, Ian Eccleston is a tricky doctor to pin down. And because, because we've only had that one season, this you know, it's still very much all to play for, you know, whereas, you know, all the other doctors they've had more seasons of they've, they've been developed through the audios, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say really where Eccleston's Doctor's going to go. Which I think, which is why these audios that are coming out <laughs> next year are going to be so exciting. Yeah.
1: And also, the other thing with with Eccleston's Doctor is is in a in a way there are kind of two sides to Eccleston's Doctor. There's kind of the heavy dramatic, as you say, that the, the, the victim of the, of the war of the Time War Doctor, but then there's this sort of fantastic, toothy, grin, uh, goofiness. They're very much two opposites, and so. I I guess which Doctor you put them with would then decide which route of those two you kind of went down. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a way, although on the one hand you've got more limited options with Eccleston's Doctor because, as you say, Sarah, he was only in the one series. On the other hand, there are a couple of different ways you could actually play it, you could could Mm -hmm. take it. It would possibly also depend on which route Well, in fact, I think it would depend a lot on which route Eccleston wanted to go. And I feel, I could be wrong, but I feel that Eccleston would probably want to go the heavier route rather than the more light-hearted, humorous route.
0: Sarah, do you think that we'll ever get tired, truly, of multi-doctor... stories (laughs) stories <laughs> and, in, and when, no. big, when big finish <laughs> when big finish keep doing this they keep bringing these doctors together for our ears does it steal the thunder sometimes for future tv big glossy elaborate tv stories
2: yeah i think it does uh but i just think that just means like you know the tv stories they kind of just have to up the games but yeah th- there's just something about it the delight and the excitement and obviously Day of the Doctor was my my first kind of foray into that. And it was quite a heavy, you know, topic, whereas, you know, the five yeah. doctors, it was much more of a romp. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, just, it's just something about seeing them on screen. I mean, it's lovely hearing them and having it play out on your head, but to actually see it on screen, it's just something magical about it.
1: Again, I mean, I kind of think... <laughs> Just playing devil's advocate for a minute. If you were to offer to the viewing public, do you want to see another series? And and the, and I'm and I'm deliberately not. I'm really trying not to hear to knock the Jodie Whittaker career. So this is not about that. Yeah. But this is about saying: Would you rather have another Jodie Whittaker series, or would you rather have an entire series that just couples old doctors together in madcap adventures? Which do you honestly think the public would go for? Okay, that would mean that multi-doctor stories are just way, way, way overdone. But would they be overdone? Are we are we literally at a point now with Doctor Who? And I'm and I'm honestly not suggesting this seriously, but it's just an i it's an interesting no. idea to play around with. Maybe maybe <laughs> literally as a madcap thing. Maybe there is some some mileage in literally an entire series. Of the doctor, we, we, we're all everybody, including the viewing public, is is au fait and is 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 with the idea of of multi doctor stories. This isn't a fan service at all. This no, is, it isn't. A, no, so
0: we all know those characters. We know their look. We know the quirks to their individual personalities and their you know their catchphrases and things like that, which aren't so much for classic fans like you and I, but absolutely part of it for the people who've come from 2005 onwards. I recoiled a little bit at the thought of that, but the more I think about what, it, I think people you would think like it. It? can you imagine the viewing figures for that entire
1: yes. series? If they did an entire yeah. thirteen episode run of, of a load of doctors, or maybe crossing in and out of different time streams? I'd say so about like,
0: thirteen episodes, but I think if you to do it as a mini series of like three or four or five over the entire Christmas or New Year period, for example, that people would go back to that as a mini series. It would light it would light up what whatever's left mm. of of mainstream on the night event TV as scheduled, you know, like off the iPlayer where people would probably make that an appointment of you, Sarah.
2: Yeah, it certainly worked for me. And and you you could, this story would have been the perfect one, you know, with this cathedral. (laughs) You just love like certain sections, you know, different times. It's like the perfect vehicle for that to be able to do it. And yeah, you know, as long as you're not bringing all the baggage you know, with other the doctors and you just had the, you know, and the, you know, the adventures would have, you know, they'd have to be well written and as tight, you know, as they have been so far with this. But yeah, it would totally revitalise. You,
1: you do wonder if, it, if the series needs something that radical to revitalise it, to really kick the, 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 the mm-hmm. viewers back into wanting to watch it again.
0: I think Uh, the viewers need reminding why they loved Doctor Who 15 years ago. I think the viewers need reminding why they loved Doctor Who five years ago, come to think of it, and it would be irresistible. I think it it would make that statement about Doctor Who, in inverted commas, rather than about any particular Doctor. I think it would be about the audience. It would be about reaching the audience, and drastic times may well indeed call for drastic action. Something that I was thinking about, Simon, is a point that you mentioned earlier on about the, uh, the construction of this story. Here we have Tom Baker, effectively in a David Tennant episode. It's the, the same rate, it's the same theme tune. You know, if you close your eyes, you can almost imagine that you watched this back in 2009. But how would it be if Big Finish did it in reverse? Because they still do four-part stories on audio, pretty much in the old style. Imagine dropping David Tennant's Doctor in another story with the Fourth Doctor, or anybody else from the classic era, but say with the Fourth Doctor, but set in the time of the Ark in Space, or Terror of the Zygons, or set in the middle of the key to time, or anywhere across four parts, where it was all steadier, wordier, and a bit more (laughs) three-walled. Like the old BBC, like it was filmed, like it had been recorded, at TV Centre back in the mid-70s. Would that even be possible? Why haven't they done it? Would it... But seen as a waste of an opportunity of some, doing something big and brash because I think dramatically it would be interesting
1: I think it would, maybe maybe they've never even thought about it because I guess really big Finnish audios now these days very much are in the, the, the style of Modern, not just modern Doctor Who, but modern drama. They are modern drama is 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 tends to be faster paced. Yes, it's, yes. it's it's quicker cut. It moves much much faster, as as, as often being said. And so, really, a big finish are very much reflecting that rather than any specific um, style within Doctor Who. So, if you think back, I mean, you mentioned earlier down Sirens of Time. If you think back to that one, that one is much more sort of sedate. It still it still moves it's along. Measures, isn't it? Yeah, measured is a good word, but but there's no reason. I, I don't think why why you couldn't go back to, to that sort of style. And I guess in a way, there's no reason why they couldn't go almost for, for broke on this from the point of view. Of, they did it with the with the Chada reconstruction a couple of years back. Uh, yeah. Mark Ayres, for example, did did music that that could have been written by um, Dudley Simpson. So you could literally go for broke, go back to that kind of style, bring in musicians that, that, that are more in that style, bring in a voice artist. I don't know. Let's say somebody like Terry Malloy to do the Daleks in old style, as it were. Mm. I, I think that'd be a, a, a cracking idea. I, I'd be really interesting to try. Well, well the I'm classic kind of Cybermen are
0: back. Simon, we've got David Banks and Mike and Mark Hardy. Is it back doing the Cybermen? Nick Briggs doesn't That's... do those in all of the audios now, so maybe you onto something.
1: And, and and wouldn't that be beautiful to hear? Say, say, you know, the Earth Shock kind of Cybermen back. With let's say the Peter Davison doctor or the or the Colin Baker doctor, or even the, the No, it wouldn't feel right with the Tom Baker doctor, would it? Because they really didn't kick in until Peter Davison. So so wouldn't that be great though to hear, to hear Peter Davidson up against? Yeah, it's been done. Yeah, David Frank exactly. Simon with 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 old style music.
0: Well, here, here we are. Talk about Tom Baker. Tom Baker's energy and spirit we talked about earlier on. For a man of eighty-six, it's incredible. Really, it's still very much in evidence. As is his sort of glove fit for this part he's been recording with big finish now for the best part of 10 years it was a long time coming and he was notoriously prickly on the subject of recreating the role at all let alone alongside successive doctors wasn't he simon the whole thing with 1983 and the five doctors tom baker refused to be in that didn't he and he refused to go anywhere near a production like this in any format for for so long and all that made for tough reading for a doctor who fan didn't it why was he the party pooper for so long that's what <laughs>
1: It did make tough reading. It, well, it made more than just tough reading. I can still remember, and we are going back now, I remember being at the um, at the Longleat um, celebration weekend in, in March the 3rd and 4th, 1983. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, as how old was I at the time, about 14, 15, sitting, listening to Tom Baker, and somebody put the question to him, why did you not appear in The Three Doctors? Bear in mind, sorry, The Five Doctors Bear in mind, at this point, the five doctors hadn't been screened, um, but we knew that Tom Baker was not going He'd to been be shot, in hadn't And I, yeah, and I can still remember his his quite sort of prickly response about why he wasn't in. And as I say, it's a 14, 15 year old. That was that was just gutting to me because Tom Baker was, and it still is, but certainly was my hero at that point massively. And I, of course, I wanted him in the five doctors, and so. If you were to go back and look at that, that, that weekend of Longleat with Tom Baker, you see an entirely different Tom Baker to the Tom Baker you see today, who is lovable. He's your favourite uncle, <laughs> your favourite grandfather. He's Santa Claus. He's everything right. He's a beautiful human being. You go back to those days in 1983 when he was refusing to be the five doctors and he's a very dark individual. He's a very distant and distancing individual. The difference is remarkable between the two.
0: Sarah, we were talking earlier on about, you know, when you came to the to the fandom and all the dynamics between the doctors and the I don't know have to call it politics, but the complexities, the nuances of the relationships and things like that and why things were a certain way. When you heard about Tom Baker's aloofness as regards this kind of thing, as regards multi-doctor stories, did that surprise you? How did you feel about it? Yeah, it did, because I
2: basically came to the fandom and it was like a big you know, happy family every, every, everybody yeah it, it felt like a happy family because these bonds had been made through the convention circuit and then obviously through a big finish you know, you know McGann, Davidson Baker, McCoy in particular you know it's like four nutty uncles aren't they yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and because you know like because David Tennant is a fan himself and you know, Matt Smith became a fan and obviously Peter Capaldi is a huge fan. It just feels like it's really select family. So when you would got Tom being really aloof, yeah, I, I can see why it was absolutely gutting. And, but I suppose at the time, it hadn't been that long since he'd left the role. And I suppose actors, you do feel like that, you know, that like, I'm going to leave that around. It, obviously, which is why uh, Ekans still did for so long. Um, but it's nice, that like it's kind of mellowed over the years, and you know, touch base and come back. And I think, and I think it is to do with the fans. I think it's when you return to the fold, as it is, and you realise how loved you've been. It does have a, a huge effect on you, and I really think that is. I feel like Eccleston's a bit like Tom Baker Mark II in that respect. <laughs> And it's probably about the money as well. I mean, don't get me wrong on the exposure, but I do think it is. Oh, you know, I am loved and people do remember me. You know, I did make a difference to those Mm. children at the time that are now grown up. And yeah, it's lovely that he's back. And he's obviously relishing it. I mean, to be working at this age and to be putting that much energy and enthusiasm into it, you can see how much the role still means to him
1: he clearly doesn't need to do it for the money now. He's no. he's comfortable enough. Of, he is at a stage in life where any more money now isn't actually going to make that much of a difference to mm-hmm. him. He doesn't, it, it doesn't that's not important. He's definitely doing it for the love of doing it. Tom talks all the time now about the fact, and in fact, there was a, a Radio Times interview with him only a, a couple of weeks ago where he talks about the fact that he loves being loved. Uh, and he and he's absolutely taken that all on board. He He, he recognises the love for him as a, as a, as an actor as a person and, and for his doctor and he absolutely runs with it and that's lovely to see
0: so how how does it make you feel, Simon, as a as a child of the Tom Baker era, to to hear him enjoying himself like this, and to know that he's so mellow now? And, and it, it's
1: it's beautiful. It, it's beautiful. It's just lovely because, as I say, he did go through this very dark period after leaving Doctor Who, and a lot of it was, as Sarah said, it was because they both him and Eccleston needed to distance themselves from the role. And I get it. I absolutely get why he didn't do the five Doctors, and I think it was probably the right decision.
0: Yeah, if you don't, want, if you don't want to Tom. be there, then it's going to show on screen, isn't it? Look mm-hmm. at Sean Connery in Diamonds Are Forever. He didn't want to make that movie.
1: He didn't want to do it. And the truth of it is, Tom really was very, very aware that if he didn't kick away, he was going to be typecast forever and he'd never get any more work again. You can't blame a chopping actor for, for taking that kind of... No. At the end of the day, it is a job. It's a career for them. They've got to make the right decision. Eccleston was exactly the same. But, but it's also, for us fans it's just great then to finally see them actually coming to find a place where they're now comfortable and happy to be involved in the show again that in effect made them i mean let's be let's be brutally honest about this doctor who certainly made tom baker's name and 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 he said no again he doesn't try to pretend otherwise and in all honesty it also made eccleston's name um, people I haven't really so. heard of Eccleston prior to Doctor Who so I think they come to that sort of I think they come to a peace within themselves where they realise that it's not actually as bad as, as they might think mm-hmm. uh, if the one thing on their tombstone is Doctor Who um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make any less uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of what they are as, a, as an actor or as a person
0: I've got two qu- two final questions for you Simon firstly out of five how much do you love Tom Baker
1: Oh, oh! It's not even on a scale of five, is it? I mean, come on! It's more like a scale of five hundred. <laughs> Tom, he's the governor. He's for me. Not he is okay. the governor. He's no, he's god. Oh, and, and and please, Tom, if you're watching this, I so want to meet you. Please, please, please! I've never met Tom Baker. Can you believe that? I've never met. Oh, I Ooh. found that difficult to believe when you told me that. Never met Tom Baker. Come on, Tom. I need to meet you. Want to sit down, and have a pint?
0: And how many frescoes out of five do you give out of time one? Ooh, three. Sorry, that's
1: probably a little bit reserved, but three out of five. No, because there's some fair. fantastic ideas in there, some fantastic performances. But like I said earlier, I would have liked to see the cathedral explored a little bit more, and I really would have liked to have seen some different
0: darling voices. Sorry. I think that's what I'd call constructive criticism. Sarah, how many frescoes out of five do you give out of time one?
2: I'm going to give it four. Uh, maybe maybe four and a half. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't give it top marks because you know for the same reasons that Simon cited. Yeah, so I'm going to knock off a off a mark from that. But yeah, it, honestly, this story has really re- revitalised things for me because I've been pretty much down in the oh. dumps. You know, with everything going on and this year, and then that awful <laughs> series twelve. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, it feels like a shot in the arm. For Doctor Who, you know, as, the, as a brand. And it's the first time I've been excited in a long time. So that's why I've given it the score that I have. What would you give it, I done?
0: Uh, yeah, big finish are doing the Lord's work. Well, the Time Lord's work, aren't they, in revitalising <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah, um, I'd agree with Sarah. I totally. was going to give this four marks. And having listened to everything that Simon said and, and all the constructive things that he said, I'm still going to give it four marks. I think this is absolutely glorious. And I can accept everything that you've said. Uh, But yeah, I I thought this was... The fact that I listened to this twice in three days, that is what's lifted it. What's Mm -hmm. made up for the things... Yeah, I think everything that you said is more than fair, Simon. To have listened to it... Twice, in such a short period of times means you know that I'd be churlish if I marked it down for that. I thought this was absolutely staggering. Well Brilliant. done, Big Finish. And yes, Doctor Who Out of Time 1 was released August 2020. It's written by Matt Fitton, stars David Tennant and Tom Baker. And it's available from BigFinish.com on CD for £10.99 or as a download for £8.99. And all the oh, links man. to that will be in the show notes. Of course, it's a bargain. Over to you. Yes, have we got it right or have we got it all wrong? What have we missed and which Doctor matchups are you hungering to hear or even see? Or are you completely over the novelty of all this and you wish they'd stop and just do more mundane stories, more day-to-day Doctor get in touch, get interactive, let us know and that's the time rotor starting to whirl away in the background it means we're done like a dinner everybody (laughs) listen and look out for the next type 40 wherever you found this on apple podcasts we're all over that Or on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean or Spotify and don't forget over on YouTube you can stream type 40 there on the Fandom Podcast Network's YouTube channel subscribe and make sure you turn on that little bell you'll get a notification whenever type 40 drops new new episode as ever you can get in touch with us through our social medias instagram and twitter at type 40 doctor who even email us type 40 doctor at gmail.com or if you're feeling really brave and fancy a real time trip in the tardis with us step into the type 40 facebook group I'm Dan Hadley. I'm scattered across all of space and time, but mostly on Instagram and Twitter as the Spacebook, rambling on and posting about whatever catches my eye, imagination or both, in popular culture inside and outside of the TARDIS. Simon, where can people find you on social media? They can
1: come and find me on Facebook. I'm there as one of the administrators on the Hoonatics. Come and say hello.
0: Hoonatics, the original Hoonatics there. And Sarah, where can people hear more from you? Hey, you can find me
2: on Parlour. Uh, At Starry-Eyed Girl. I'm usually around in YouTube in one stream or another. (laughs) Um, So, yes, come and find me there.
0: Look for the Trail of Stars. Yeah, There are links (laughs) to all of that in the show notes. We'll always have the time, as long as you have the space, here on Type 40. Thanks for listening. Catch you soon.